Okay, we are um, reviewing before we start, but let me just explain something. Those of you that were on Zoom last week, we had a major glitch and it was my pilot error, you might say. Um, after the two minute break, I came back, people were talking to me and I, I gotta get going kind of thing. And I came back over here, I hit the pause button on the record thing and started recording and never turned the camera on, never turned the microphone on. So people on Zoom watched 40, 45 minutes of nothing, just a black screen. So it was very touching to me though. I got so many calls. I turned my phone back on. There was like 20 texts. Are you okay? Did somebody shoot you? Are you sick? Are you throwing up? Um, it was touching that so many people cared. Joe Camarena left his house and came down here because he thought maybe there's an emergency. Um, I got a ton of hilarious comments. John Lehman just emailed me just these words, a real cliffhanger tonight. <laughs> and I felt bad enough, you know, here I am getting all these sarcastic comments. Um, my friend Tim in Morgan Hill texted, I'm glad you weren't eaten by the lions or the leopards. My cousin Betty texted, I'm glad the beast didn't get you. If you were here last week, you know what that's all about. My daughter said to me, we were eating dinner and she said, you know, it shows how boring this lockdown is that 40 or 50 people sat with a black screen for 40 minutes just watching. So, but the best one was in church on Sunday. There's this family of four, um, Brad and Michelle Lucich and their two beautiful little kids that are about 10 and eight or so, I'm guessing. And the 10 year old little boy, um, his name is Cash. I come over to them and I shake hands at church on Sunday and he says, kind of a long two minute break, don't you think? <laughs> I was like, yes, it was a long two minute break. So anyway, thank you all. Uh, those of you, um, I want you to know I'm so, so sorry I screwed up and I, we have refunded your credit cards for all the charges. Okay, um, let's dive in. I'm, what I'm gonna do tonight though, and a few people have asked, are you really gonna do that? Yes, I really am. I'm gonna review everything we did in the last 40 minutes and then continue on. So we're in the book of Daniel and um, we're in chapter seven. So I'm gonna to try to give you the short little bring you up to speed kind of thing because we have people here for the first time and there's a few people on Zoom for the first time. I see two of them in Texas right there. Anyway, um, Daniel is a prophet. This is Old Testament Jewish scriptures. The first half of the book, chapters one through six are the story of Daniel while he is captive in Babylon. God is punishing the Jews because they have disobeyed him. They have other gods, idols, and what have you. So Babylon, the Babylonian empire, takes over much of the world, including Israel. They take a bunch of young boys with them to inculcate them into the Babylonian way of pagan life. Among them is Daniel and his three friends. The first six chapters are about them. Daniel has the ability to interpret visions and dreams, and he does so for King Nebuchadnezzar, including a dream that he has, Nebuchadnezzar the, Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon has, which is of a giant statue that has a head of gold and a chest and arms of silver, body of bronze, legs of iron, 
and feet of iron and clay. And he sees this giant rock that was cut without hands, meaning some sort of supernatural thing that hits the statue at the feet and the whole thing blows up. Nebuchadnezzar is deeply troubled. Daniel interprets it that what the statue means is that those are kingdoms of the world. And he, Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar, is told that they are the head of gold. Following them will be another kingdom and another and another and another. Worldly kingdoms. So that'll come back later in the Bible study tonight. Um, pick it up in chapter 1 and verse 7, and we'll go very quickly through these first uh, eight verses. <clears throat> so it says, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions passed through his mind as he was lying in bed. Chapters 7 through 12 are all apocalyptic uh, type literature. They are visions. There are beasts and stuff that's hard to understand. But using the rest of the Bible, it all comes together when you compare scripture with scripture. A few more people walking in. Um, so let's see. Um, this is one of four visions that Daniel has uh, in this chapter. This is the most comprehensive. This vision takes um, human history from, it's about 600 BC, 550, when Daniel is around. From that point, all the way through to the coming of Christ, all the way through to the second coming of Christ and the end of human history. You say, boy, that's a lot of years. It is um, encapsulated around these kingdoms that God's going to predict ahead of time are going to show up. Uh, let's see. So this is when Belshazzar was king. That's back in chapter four and five. That was historic. We read through that. But now he's telling you this is a vision I had at that time. Um, okay, so here comes the vision. Verse two, Daniel said, in my vision at night, I looked and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. So the question is, what's going on there? Four winds of heaven. Okay, winds in the Bible, it's usually God judging. Four in the Bible is the number of earth. Okay, there are four directions, north, south, uh, east, and west. Uh, we say there's four seasons. There's the four corners of the earth. You probably heard that. So in the Bible, four is the number of the earth. The sea in the Bible, Old Testament and New, is symbolic of the Gentile nations, world governments, and the chaos of them, the unruly sea. So he pictures men um, governing themselves, but it's greatly being churned up because men never can govern their planet like God could, and one day God will. Verse three, four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the See, by the way, those of you are, that are here in the room, there's Bibles back there if you need one. Okay, four great beasts, each different or diverse, came up out of the sea. These beasts each represent a different empire, but also a different king that's associated with that empire, if you will. Um, you, you may wonder at this point, how do you know all this? It's explained as the chapter and chapters go on. So, he sees these beasts coming up out of the sea consecutively, four consecutive kingdoms. The first, verse uh, four, was like a lion. It had the wings of an eagle. I watched until the wings were torn off and it was lifted from the ground lift or lifted up so that it stood on two feet like a human being and the mind of a human was given to it. You say, boy, this is really weird. 
psychedelic, what is going on here? Okay, first of all, the lion um, was the symbol. In fact, it was lions with wings were the symbol of the Babylonian empire. Archaeologists have uncovered at the gates to the palaces of Babylon that there were statues of lions with eagle's wings on the lion. So the first kingdom, same as the vision that, ba that Nebuchadnezzar had, I told you about, the head of gold, the first kingdom is Babylon. In Nebuchadnezzar's vision, the kingdom's head uh, of gold, uh, chest and arms of silver, body part here of bronze, and then the legs of iron, and then the feet and the toes of iron and clay. They are the same kingdoms. Again, you say, why does it sound so different? The answer is Nebuchadnezzar, at the time he has the vision, is a pagan, okay? He views the kingdoms of the world the way mankind would. They're glorious, they're gold, they're silver, they're so awesome. These are the same kingdoms, but viewed from heaven's vantage point, where he sees complete upheaval, and they're all beasts. All human government, to one degree or another, can I get an amen on this, is corrupt, okay? Government, come on, don't get me started. Okay, so that's why they're the same kingdoms, but they're very different looking. The first kingdom is Babylon, and um, the cropping of the wings, let's see where that is, lifted up, uh, the wings are torn off. This is the hum the humility, the humbling, I should say, of Nebuchadnezzar. Do you remember that? Uh, right around, I think it was chapter three, I can't remember, uh, where he has, uh, or maybe it's four. He has that vision, remember, of a tree that's being cut down. Daniel tells him, what this means is you're the tree, and you're an awesome tree. But unless you humble yourself, God's going to cut your tree down and humble you, and you're going to eat grass like an ox for seven years. Remember that three or four weeks ago? That's exactly what happened. That's what's pictured there. Uh, it's, it ends up after seven years, he stands up like a human being, and he's again given the mind of a human. Um, verse five, and there before me, we covered this last week, but I'm reviewing for those of you that got here late. Verse five, and there before me was a second beast next kingdom, which looked like a bear. It, ra it was raised up on one of its sides, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. This is the second kingdom. The bear, a bear is slower than a lion. Remember, a lion is the king of the animals. The eagle is the king of the birds. The Babylonian kingdom was the most um, uh, where, the, where the leader, Nebuchadnezzar, had the most power. There wasn't a Congress or other people to advise him. He was it. The second kingdom is the Medo-Persian kingdom, the Medes and the Persians. Okay, that's the bear. That's why it's on its two legs, but one side is higher than the other. There were the Medes and there were the Persians who combined to overthrow Babylon, and they did. The Medes were first, but the Persians really became the dominant power. That's the side that's one-sided kind of thing, the bear. Uh, the three ribs, most scholars think, are the three great military conquests that this kingdom had. They conquered uh, Babylon, as we already spoke about, the whole kingdom of Egypt, and the kingdom of Lydia, which is modern-day Turkey, okay? So this is being predicted, let me remind you, in advance of it happening. 
that the Medes and the Persians, the bear is going to be that silver kingdom that we spoke of earlier in that vision. Uh, let's see. Get up and eat your fill of flesh. They, they were brutal in the way that they conquered countries and took no prisoners, killed a lot of people. Um, that kingdom lasted about 200 years, um, started in 539 BC. So we're about 539 years before, roughly before Jesus is born. Just giving you a time marker there. Verse six, after that, I looked and there before me was another beast. Uh, one that looked like a leopard. And on its back, it had four wings like those of a bird. This beast had four heads and it was given authority to rule. Okay, this is the next kingdom known for speed. Leopards aren't as ferocious as bears or lions, but they're faster. This is um, the Greek uh, kingdom, which came into power, empire, 331 BC, all being predicted in advance. The thing about the Greek empire is it took over the world faster than anybody ever has, or, or even to this day. Um, a guy named Alexander the Great inherits the kingdom from his father at age 21, gets an army together, and in 12 years takes over the whole known world, that whole part of uh, that whole area. By the way, the sea was mentioned earlier. Mediterranean Sea is the one meant because all these kingdoms surround that area because they're near Israel, which is what God's concerned with. Okay, so let's go back to the leopard. Uh, another beast looked like a leopard, very speedy. On its back, it had four wings. That's the speed as well. Imagine how fast a leopard could move uh, if it had four wings. This beast had four heads and it was given authority to rule. You say, well, wait a minute. Who's the head of the Greek empire? Alexander the Great. Conquers the whole world, but he's a lush. Okay, he's a total drunk. At the age of 33, he's taken over the whole world. He dies and a drunken stupor, uh, vom uh, choking on his own vomit at an, a drunken orgy at 33 years old. You say, well, what happened? Was that the end of the Greek empire? No. For 20 years, there was infighting and what have you, but he had four, actually he had five generals that were the main um, people underneath him, Alexander the Great. He dies there's some jockeying for position. One of the generals is out. That leaves four generals. They each take a territory. Um, the four generals are Cassander, Lysimachus, I hope that's right, Seleucus, and Ptolemy. So uh, Cassander takes Greece and Macedonia. Uh, Lysimachus takes Thrace and Asia Minor. Seleucus takes Syria and the Middle East. And Ptolemy is given to uh, given Egypt. The four kings of the Greek Empire they divide. Let's keep reading. Um, hmm, uh, verse seven. After that, in my vision at night, I looked, or night vision, and there before me was a fourth beast. Notice that the other three were like a leopard, like a bear, like a lion, wings, what have you. This fourth beast is the Roman Empire. It is so scary and ferocious, he doesn't equate it, you notice, with any animal. He just says a fourth beast, verse 7, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth 
It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. And that is so true of the Roman Empire. Um, it was different from all the former beasts. And he throws in and it had 10 horns. Okay, so this is the Roman Empire, which takes over uh, after the Greek uh, empire is ended. About 241 BC, the Roman Empire starts in the island off the coast of Italy called Sicily, where both sides of my family, uh, oddly enough, come from. Um, the Roman Empire ends up growing all the way west to Britain and Spain and Gaul into Western Asia, as far as the Caspian Sea and the Persian Gulf even, um, into Northern Africa as well. The Roman Empire lasts the longest of all these empires. It ends around 410 AD, okay, um, rough in the neighborhood of almost 600 years, 550 years, but it never has a complete ending, if you will. So remember that there's the Babylonian, the head empire, the um, Medo-Persian empire, the Greek empire, the Roman empire were the two legs of iron of the statue that Nebuchadnezzar saw in his vision. Remember that? So if you remember, there's a fifth kingdom that is the sort of um, a conglomerate. It is the feet which were made of iron. You say, well, iron, you said was the Roman Empire. It is. Iron feet mixed with clay in the vision that Nebuchadnezzar had. Clay is not nearly as valuable. You notice it gets decreasing in value. Gold, silver, bronze, iron, iron mixed with clay. Would be very brittle, iron mixed with clay. People are thought of as clay in the Bible a lot. So this is a sort of diluted Roman Empire, but in the vision Nebuchadnezzar has, it's the feet which have how many toes, class? 10. What does this say? 10 horns. Same kingdom, 10 and 10. Okay, most scholars believe um, that this is a future revived Roman Empire. Still future now? Yes. Some conglomeration of 10 kings or empires or countries will come together and unite to try to form one, a one world government. Um, this is the opinion of all kinds of scholars across all kinds of different um, beliefs, if you will. Uh, some sort of a revived Roman Empire. Um, the Roman um, Empire lasted, as I said, until um, until the fourth century, uh, let's see, 410 AD. But the government and its influence lasted really until 1453, really long period. It is thought that this will be some sort of a revived um, empire. In that empire, we're about to meet a character called the Antichrist. How many have heard of Antichrist? Not a good guy, right? Antichrist means against Christ, right? If I'm anti-abortion, I'm against abortion, right? Antichrist. But in the Bible, it also means instead of Christ, where he acts as a pseudo or fake Christ. We'll talk about that later. Um, okay. Um, all the other kingdoms last, give or take, 200 years. Rome lasts the longest, and it's going to come back in the future. 
When will that be, Joe? I don't know. Could be a long time from now, could be already in the works happening. Are we living in the last days? Who knows? Closer than it's ever been, right? Um, the If you remember the statue, the last empire is those feet of clay and iron, which are destroyed by the stone cut without hands. All scholars that I could read believe the stone cut without hands that comes from heaven is Christ's second coming, returning to the earth to destroy that empire, destroy Antichrist, and take over as the true leader of planet earth, which was made for him and by him, if you know the rest of your scriptures. Okay, um, we already talked about that. So the 10 horns are not 10 consecutive uh, kingdoms. They are 10 um, rulers that rule at the same time. I'll show you that in a second. Um, Let's see, different from all the other former beasts and it had 10 horns, I'm at the end of verse seven. Verse eight, while I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, okay? Doesn't take a genius when you have 10 and you have another one, how many does that make class? 11, right? Another horn, a little horn, insignificant, seems harmless. This is the antichrist, I'll show you. Um, which came up among them, and I'm still in verse eight, and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. He sort of takes them over, conquers them. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a human being or a man, and a mouth that spoke boastfully. Before we're done tonight, if the teacher keeps his act together, we're gonna to go to Revelation 13, and I'm gonna go verse by verse and show you that it matches up with everything we're reading. You cannot understand the book of Revelation until you understand the Old Testament, especially Daniel, okay? But it helps to know Ezekiel, Jeremiah, there's a few other references in there, here and there. Um, I think a third of the verses in Revelation are quotes from the Old Testament, like this, Daniel. So. This is, um, uh, had this horn, horns are emblematic of power. This is one of the rulers of this united 10 nation confederacy, which becomes an 11th with him. Eyes like the eyes of a human being and mouth that spoke boastfully. Eyes in the Bible are emblematic or symbolic of great insight and great knowledge. I'll show you before we're done tonight that the Antichrist is extremely intelligent. He is an incredible speaker, very convincing. He's also a military genius and a political genius. Um, I'll show you that as we go along. Um, a mouth that spoke boastfully. This is a guy that is bragging about himself. He does incredible things. He's going to create world peace. The world is going to think this is the greatest guy in the world. If you're alive at that time and you have the Holy Spirit as a believer in the Lord Jesus, you're going to know something's wrong here. Okay, something's weird. Um, I don't like this guy. But most of the world is going to end up worshiping this very guy. Um, Let's see, we already talked about that. So um, I believe that this 10 horn thing is a second part of the Roman Empire that has not been, uh, hasn't happened yet, hasn't fu been fulfilled yet. Okay, verse uh, eight, is that where we are? No, we're at verse nine, right? I'm just looking at my notes here. Um, Daniel chapter nine says the Antichrist is gonna be able to make a deal 
with the Middle Eastern countries and Israel for total peace. Just a great thing. He's going to allow the Israelis to build a temple and, and worship and sacrifice again. But halfway through a seven-year period, I'll show you chapters from now, he's going to renege on all his promises and take over the temple and show himself that he's God himself. I'll show you that as well as we go. I know this is a little overwhelming, but stay with me. Are you still awake? Say amen. amen. Okay, that was a better one. Verse 9. As I looked, so this is a little pause. I love this because there's all this confusion and all these scary beasts, which are the real kingdoms, not gold, silver, bronze, but scary beasts that the way God sees human kingdoms. And now there's a little pause. It's almost like when you watched an old TV show, they would say, meanwhile, back at the ranch, and they'd show you another scene at the same time, what's going on. This is meanwhile up in heaven. Verse 9, as I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. His hair, the hair of his head was like white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. We covered a lot of this last week in the 40 minutes where Zoom people were going, where is he? What happened? Okay, thrones were set in place. This is a scene... Wow, we're having extreme wind here, which actually was predicted. Um, we're hearing it, aren't we? It's God letting you know that I'm, I'm correct in what I'm saying. No, I'm just kidding. Um, verse 9, thrones are set in place. This is a scene in the throne room of God. The Ancient of Days is an Old Testament Jewish term for God the Father. Ancient of Days. doesn't mean he's old or senile. It means Ancient of Days, he's been around forever. Ancient of Days took his seat. Where? At the throne room of God, on the throne. Amen. His clothing was as white as snow, indicating his purity. The hair of his head, white like wool, indicating maturity and great wisdom. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. Okay, a, a throne flaming with fire, fire in the Bible, always emblematic of God's judgment. What's the final judgment look like? Hell, right? Fire. Um, let's see, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, fire and brimstone, all of that. So a throne flaming with fire is God is about to judge these kingdoms. The throne has wheels indicating he can move in any direction. He's uh, omnipresent, always everywhere present, and also uh, omniscient, all-knowing, uh, all-powerful, I mean to say. Um, wheels all ablaze. Verse 10, a river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Pretty awesome scene, right? Daniel's like really wide-eyed looking at all this. Thousands upon thousands attended or served him. These are the angels in God, uh, in heaven, sorry, that eternally um, serve God. 10,000 times 10,000, what's meant here is a much larger number, stood before him. Those are believers, Jew, faithful Jews, faithful uh, people of all nations that have lived and died and are there in heaven standing before him. The court was seated. I'm still in the middle of verse 10. And the books were open. We said last week that God keeps books. If you're an unbeliever in the Lord Jesus Christ, everything you ever said or did or even 
thought that was wrong, that was a sin, that was selfish, that was evil, that was against God, that was against his will is recorded in heaven. If that doesn't scare you, it should. Amen. If you are a believer, when the books are open under your name, it says all sins paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. What you deserved, he took that punishment. Praise God. So it's nothing for you to be fearful of, but God keeps books, okay? It may look like in human history, you watch people and, wow, he got away with it. They found him not guilty. That famous black football player who might have killed his wife and, you know, drinks a lot of orange juice, you know who I'm talking about. He got away with it. Nobody gets away with anything. God has really good bookkeeping going on. Um, let's see. Verse 11. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. Now we're back to the beast. Okay. The final kingdom revived Roman empire, the antichrist, the little horn, the boastful words, words, the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. How many have heard of the battle of Armageddon? Okay, you can read about it in the book of Revelation. If you're thinking, it must be an incredible battle. I, how many years does it go on? How many people, how many casualties on each side, like a normal battle in military jargon, right? The battle of Armageddon is no battle at all. Don't read it now, but when you get home, Revelation 19 is the battle of Armageddon. And you know what happens? The Antichrist assembles armies in the Valley of Megiddo outside of uh, Jerusalem in order to take on Christ and God and the angels. And like that, it's over. It's no big battle. If you want to, when you get to heaven, you, I want the DVD of the Armageddon. You're going to be so disappointed. It's in a good way though, right? Christ just captures the devil himself, the false prophet and the antichrist, the beast. We'll get to all that. And they're captured period. And he takes control. No battle at all, really. Um, let's see. So Daniel, though, is, knows what he should be looking at. He's looking at this little horn, and he's blown away by the boastful, conceited, um, blasphemous words this guy is speaking. But notice that he's slain and his body destroyed and is thrown into the blazing fire. Verse 12, the other beasts, wait, what other beasts? Okay, this is probably the other kingdoms, Medo-Persia, which is, by the way, Persia is Iran. You probably know that, right? Um, Babylon, which was right outside of where Baghdad is today, Iraq, that area. Um, and then, of course, Greece, you know where that is. The, the other beasts had been stripped of their authority, but they were allowed to live for a period of time. Time-wise, we have now fast-forwarded to the end of human history when Christ returns, defeats the Antichrist, he's dead, but those kingdoms, Greece, Medo-Persia, um, Babylon, you know, Iran, are continued. To, they're still alive. There's people from those kingdoms alive, but um, they're stripped of their authority. They're not going to be taking over the kingdom of, of Jesus Christ, if you will. 
Okay, verse 13, in my vision at night, I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. Now we're back at the heavenly scene again, right? He approached the ancient of days, that's God the Father, and was led into his presence. Okay, what's going on here? If you've read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, four biographies of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know that his favorite name for himself is what? The Son of Man. Therefore, this verse is the most quoted verse from the Old Testament in the New Testament. So the one like a Son of Man is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is used occasionally of Ezekiel, that title, but only to um, magnify the fact that he's just a man. But in this case, I want you to notice, whoever this guy is, he looks like a human being, like a son of man. You with me? We Christians usually put capital S and capital M there because it's Christ. I'll show you why. Uh, because Jesus calls himself the son of man so much. Okay, one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. You can do an Old Testament study. If you get the notes emailed to you that I send out after the Bible study, I list all the places where it says, guess who rides on the clouds of heaven? God himself. So you say, okay, somebody riding with the clouds of heaven, it's God. Wait a minute. He looks like a son of man. This verse is one of the places, but there's many others in the Bible, where we get the idea, the doctrine of the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Incarnation means into flesh. Carne in Latin is meat or flesh. God became human a human being. He took on an additional nature. We said last week, God is not 50% man, 50% God, like you can be half Irish and half Italian. He is 100% God, but he took on an additional nature. He's 100% man. The question might be asked, why? God sees, and this is parenthetical to our study, God sees planet earth in big trouble because of sin, war, death, disease, sickness, child abuse. You could list all that stuff. It's all sin. Amen. Somebody's got to do something. There's this character in the Old Testament called the Messiah who is predicted to come and save the Jews and be a savior to the whole world. So the requirement is because you may ask, well, then could that have been Moses, Elijah, Isaiah, David, Abraham, Joshua? And the answer is no. Why? Because one of the requirements of the Messiah is to be sinless. So that eliminates every human being in this room on Zoom and David, all those people I mentioned, Moses, they're all sinners, right? But he's got to die for the sins of the world and rise from the dead. He's got to be sinless, so he has to be God, but he also has to be able to die. God can't die unless God becomes a man and is willing to lower himself and become a man that can bleed and feel pain and die in your place. He is the God-man, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He approaches God the Father, led into his presence. Verse 14, he, that's referring to the uh, Son of Man, was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. Stop right there. You say, wait a minute, the Son of Man is given glory. Did you notice that? 
Other people have had authority. He's given glory. Old Testament, right around Isaiah 54, 45 or 44, God says over and over, I'm God and I will not share my glory with another, right? One God revealed in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The three who's are the one what, the one God, the doctrine of the Trinity. Jesus Christ is given authority, glory in the throne room of God, because he is God, he's God's son forever, and sovereign power. All nations and all peoples of every language worshiped him. He's looking in the future. This is after the second coming, after the Antichrist has been destroyed. His dominion, Jesus's dominion, is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. No human leader can ever say that. Leaders come and they go, usually because they die, right? Nobody's ever ruled forever. He has to be eternal to be able to pull this off, and he is right? The risen Christ. His dominion is an, I'm still in the middle of 14, an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. There's not going to be another kingdom. End times, um, there's a lot of different theories, okay? One theory is, this is another parenthesis, preterism. Anybody ever heard of preterism here? No. Okay. Preterism is an idea. Um, there aren't a lot of scholars that are, are believe it, but there are some. There are full preterists, partial preterists. What does it mean? It means this. All of the book of Revelation, all of Matthew 24, all of this prophecy has already happened. Revelation? Yes. It's all already occurred. Okay. It was close in time back when it was predicted. And it's all already occurred. Now, there are partial preterists that believe some of it has already occurred. Some of it is still future. When you study prophecy, what you find is many times there's a prophecy that, that has, is given by God that has a near-in-time fulfillment, five years, 20 years, 50 years, 200 years, and then a future distant end times fulfillment, double fulfillment, near in time and far away. That's what most scholars believe. That's what I believe, by the way. I won't go into too much of that right now. Um, let's see. But Jesus Christ is given authority over the whole world. The doctrine of end times is this. You, you've heard of these terms before. The rapture, the second coming. How many have heard of the millennium? Okay. The millennium, millennium means a thousand years. I'll come back to that. The, the doctrine of the second coming is that Jesus promised that he would return. When he ascended into heaven in Acts chapter 1, right around verse 8, 9, and 10, the disciples watch him go. There he goes, up into heaven. Two angels stand next to them and say to the apostles, you can read it in Acts 1, why are you looking up into heaven? The same Jesus that you saw go away will come back again to earth just the way you saw him go. What does that mean? Invisibly? No, he went visibly. It has to be visible. The second coming, uh, it is said of the second coming, every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. Remember that? Um, so second coming happens. The Antichrist is judged. The Antichrist has a one world government. That's what we're about to look at. Um, Jesus Christ defeats the Antichrist and takes over the rule, listen, of the entire planet earth for 1,000 years. This is Revelation chapter 20. 
the millennium, it's called. It's a period of peace on earth in which Christ himself physically is here and rules, okay? We believers, Christians, are, who believe in Jesus are said to rule, listen, with him. That's about to appear in Daniel. That's the kind of the punchline to all this. Um, at the end of the thousand years, if you read chapter 20 of Revelation, the devil has been bound in chains in a hole, basically, in an, ab in an abyss. He's allowed to be free for a short time where he leads a rebellion. And those that would have rebelled are discovered. Jesus quickly stops that rebellion. And then we get to the eternal state. What do you mean by that? I mean heaven. A new heavens and a new earth wherein there's total goodness. It is, heaven is, listen, it's the Garden of Eden restored face to face with God. People live forever. There's no death, no mourning, no pain, no crying, no sickness, no crime, nothing evil. With one difference from the Garden of Eden, there is not going to be the devil to come and mess it up or tempt anybody. Okay, now that you're completely confused, and so am I, let's, let's keep rolling. Other titles for the Antichrist. The little horn, we already saw that. The king of fierce countenance, that's chapter 8. The prince that shall come, that's chapter 9. This is all in the notes if you get the notes. The willful king, Daniel 11. The, the abomination of desolation, that's something he does in the temple of God. We'll talk about that. The man of sin, the son of perdition, the lawless one, the antichrist, the beast. Um, so he is... Um, a world leader that is going to take control in a way no one ever has on planet Earth. Um, let's see. No, it's, we're not ready to take our break yet. Um, so, um, verse 15. I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit, and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. He loved seeing the Ancient of Days, the Son of God, all of that, the throne, but he can't get out of his mind. You'll see it keeps coming back. That little horn, the Antichrist, the beast. What, what's going on there? The worst of all the beasts. So he's very troubled. Verse 16, I approached one of those standing there. Most people think it's an angel that he's approaching. And I asked him the meaning of all this. So he told me and gave me the interpretation of these things. Now we get sort of the... Uh, in the interpretation, the scorecard, if you will. Verse 17, the four great beasts are four kings or kingdoms that will rise from the earth. Remember, we already talked about which four those are. Verse 18, but the holy people of the Most High, that's all believers, that includes you, class, will what? Get to be spectators? No. Will receive the kingdom right? If I give you a gift and you open it and you receive it, then you have it. So the believers, he's saying, will have this kingdom. It will be theirs. They'll receive the kingdom and possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. Then I wanted to know the meaning of the fourth beast, which was different from all the others, verse 19, and the most terrifying with its iron teeth, bronze claws, the beast that crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. That's verse 19. See, he's fixated on that. Tell me about that last beast. Verse 20. I also wanted to know about the 10 horns on its head and about the other horn, Antichrist, that came up before 
which three before which three of them fell the horn that looked more imposing than the others that had eyes and a mouth that spoke boastfully he wants to know what about that verse 21 as i uh let's see as i watched this horn was waging war against here comes the bad news the holy people and defeating them who's that believers the antichrist if he's antichrist guess which human beings he hates the most christians and the jews right they're god's people it only makes sense this is the bad news this is the seven year tribulation you've heard of we'll get to that as well this horn was waging war against the holy people and you you're hoping it's going to say and god protected protected every one of them and it doesn't say that there's such a thing as martyrs right people that die for their faith 11 of the 12 apostles end up dying horrible deaths because they believe in the lord jesus christ and they're unwilling to compromise and recant that testimony so but there is a caveat here the horn was waging war verse 21 against the holy people and defeating them verse 22 until dad got home the ancient of days came and pronounced judgment in favor of the holy people of the most high that's you and the time came when they possessed the kingdom okay this is a good time to take our two minute break i'm going to really try to remember to turn my microphone and camera back on but i'm going to turn it off for Two minutes we'll be back in just a second chance to stretch your legs don't go far all right we're back from our two minute break and i actually remembered to turn everything back on i'm pretty proud of myself okay <clears throat> find your seats those of you that are here um we are in daniel right around uh Let's see, right around verse 22 is where we left off. God comes and pronounces judgment in favor of the holy people who've been persecuted by this uh, last empire, this anti-Christ. In a couple verses, we're going to take a detour and we're going to go right to the book of Revelation, by the way. And I'll show you where this all ties together. I'm um, just looking at all that. Um, <laughs> um, Okay, I'm just coming up to date on my notes here. All right, find your seats. So you did? Beautiful. Say amen so I know you're awake. Okay, good. Um, he, verse 23. He gave, this, he gave me this explanation. The fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that will appear on the earth. It'll be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth no one's ever ruled the whole earth till this happens antichrist trampling it down and crushing it the 10 horns are 10 kings who will come from this kingdom after them another king will arise different from the early ones earlier ones he'll subdue three kings he will speak against the most high listen to that this is new information. I don't mean the wind. Man, those of you on Zoom, you can't hear it. The wind is so loud here. It sounds like we're in the Wizard of Oz movie when the, you know. Okay, we're not in Kansas anymore. All right. We're in heaven, right? Um, it'll be different from all the other kingdoms. It'll devour the, devour the whole earth, trampling 
it down and crushing it. Verse 24, 10 horns, 10 kings who will come from this kingdom. After them, another king will arise different from the early ones. He'll subdue three kings. Verse 25, he will speak against God. Do you see that? Speak against the most high. That's the technical definition for blasphemy, to speak against God. Okay, the Antichrist is going to boast, look what I've done. I've saved the whole world. I'm him. I'm it. Worship me. The God you think you worship, none of you have ever seen him. He's going to ridicule God, ridicule the Bible, ridicule Israel, ridicule the whole enchilada, all of Christianity. He'll speak against the Most High and oppress, persecute his holy people, believers, and try to change the set times and the laws. Now, there's all kinds of theories. What does that mean? In history, at least twice, there have been emperors or world leaders who have attempted to change time. Let's start counting time differently. Um, the, after the Fr French Revolution, they tried to institute a 10-day work week. How many are in favor of that? It would be the same. Maybe there'd be a five-day weekend. Who knows? But anyway, um, and they declared 1792 as year one. They were starting over. Okay, that obviously didn't work. Nobody counts time that way. But this guy's somehow going to try to change laws and change time. I'll show you in a second when we go to Revelation 13. One of the laws he's going to change is instead of freedom of religion, you want to be a Muslim or a Hindu or a Christian or an atheist or a Jew or worship whoever you want. He's going to say, you have to worship me not me, him, Antichrist. You have to, or we'll kill you. I'll show you that in a second. The holy people will be delivered into his hands for, now we get how long is this guy going to reign? A time, times, and half a time. Okay? When you put together this with the book of Revelation, with other books of the Old Testament, with the New Testament, this figure is said three different ways, okay? A time, that's one. Times, that's two more. And half a time, that's three and a half. In the New Testament, it's said to be three and a half years. It's also said to be, in the New Testament, 42 months. Those of you that are mathematically challenged, 42 months is three and a half years, right? The good news is what you don't want to read is the Antichrist is going to reign for 60 years, 30 years, 100 years. Who knows? It's three and a half years. That's it. It's the second half of the seven-year tribulation. The first half of the seven-year tribulation isn't nearly as bad as the second half of the seven-year tribulation. The second half is when all hell breaks loose. When mankind finally gets to see what would it be like with no God and if we get to govern ourselves and they get this guy, the Antichrist, charismatic, smart, probably good looking, probably a military genius who takes over and it's, he's a beast, but he looks to the world like a gold and silver and diamond kingdom, but it's not. Um, the holy people will be delivered into his hands for a time.
time, times, and half a time. Verse 26. Well, you know what? Let's, let's do our detour now. Let's go to Revelation 13. Can you turn there in your Bible? It's the easiest book to find. It's the last one. Revelation chapter 13 is commonly known as uh, the Antichrist chapter. It's where we learn the most about Antichrist. There's other chapters that mention him. This is where we learn the most about him. I want you to read it with me verse by verse. I know we're supposed to be studying Daniel, but you can't study Jan Daniel and this part of Daniel without looking at Revelation 13. Revelation 13. Uh, I'm reading NIV, by the way, in a New International Version. Uh, and the dragon, let me grab my notes for this. And the dragon stood on the shore of the sea. Already we have the sea. Sounds similar to what we read at the beginning of this chapter. You say, who's the dragon? Further on in the Bible, the dragon is defined as that serpent of old, which brings you back to Genesis 1 and 2 and 3, the Garden of Eden the devil, Satan, the deceiver. I stood on the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having 10 horns, seven heads with 10 crowns on his horns and on each name, a blasphemous name. Okay. So there's a beast coming out of the sea. Notice the 10 horns. Coincidence? No. Seven heads. Seven is the number of totality. It's also God's number. It may be an indication that he's making himself look like some kind of a Messiah figure. I'll show you that he's not just Antichrist, anti, meaning against Jesus. He's also going to show the world he is Christ, a false Christ, but he would never admit that. Uh, on each head, a blasphemous name. Verse two, the beast I saw. Notice this recalls Daniel 7, resembled a leopard. He's going to be like all a conglomeration of all those kingdoms we just saw. A beast who resembled a leopard, speedy takeover of the world, but had feet like those of a bear. Remember the bear? And a mouth like that of a lion. You ever see a lion's mouth? You know what this is? He's got a big mouth, this guy. I'll show you how big. But here's the scary part. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. Who's the dragon again? The devil. I believe this man, and he is a man, will be uh, possessed by, almost like Satan in a man's body, as Jesus was God in a man's body. Um, let's see. Um, you say, wait a minute, the devil gave him his power and his authority and his seat. Can he do that? Do you remember in Luke 4 when the devil tempts Jesus? Do you know that one of the things he says, um, by the way, I'm also, in, uh, when I send the notes, I'm attaching two documents. This is one of them, where this is revelation. This is where it relates to Daniel. So don't, if you're not taking notes very well, don't worry about it. Luke 4, the devil takes Jesus up to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. You remember this in Luke 4? And the devil said to him, all this power I'll give you and the glory of all these kingdoms, for that is delivered unto me. Remember, he's the God, small g, of this world, it says in Corinthians. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world if you'll just bow down and worship me. 
The devil tempts Jesus by saying, you don't need to go to the bloody cross and be shamed and all that pain. I'll give you all the kingdoms. That's why you're here. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world now. Just worship me, right? Jesus answers with scripture every time. We won't go into that. But the dragon, the devil gives this guy the authority of this antichrist. Now, to be Jesus, we got to have a resurrection. Verse 3. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was astonished and followed the beast. I said this last week. Um, how many know, how bad is a fatal wound? Oh, it's not that bad. It's just a fatal wound. Remember in the, in, when you'd watch Westerns, oh, it's, it's just a flesh wound. A fatal wound is what, class? A wound that kills you, right? I think this guy will be assassinated. Maybe it's a fake assassination. Um, and so they had so much hope the whole world, we finally have our world leader, and he's got a fatal wound that's been healed. That's a resurrection. Whether it's phony or not, I don't know. I think it is. The whole world was astonished and followed the beast. I think this guy says, you remember Jesus from the Old Testament? Here I am. You remember Buddha? You remember Confucius? You remember Muhammad? Allah? Here I am. Yahweh, the God, the, the mighty God of the Old Testament? Here I am. He's killed. He rises from the dead and says, what more proof do you need? Have any of you witnessed the resurrection of Jesus? Well, you witnessed mine. He's a phony. I'm the real guy. I can hear the blasphemy coming out of this guy, the conceited, boastful idiot that he is. Okay? Verse 4. But people were not fooled. Wrong. Men worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, and they also worshipped the beast. And they asked, who is like the beast and who can make war against him? He seems invincible, this guy, okay? You've got the whole world, right? And he's ruling with an iron fist, we're about to see. And he rose from the dead. Um, so we're going to look at, um, in a second little sidebar, other verses that explain, we'll see it a little bit here. This guy does miracles, okay? And that's what people want to see. They want the show. I don't mean David Copperfield. I mean real miracles. If a guy has this kind of power and charisma and authority and can do miracles, the unsaved world is going to, your friends that don't believe are going to be so fooled by this guy, it's going to blow your mind because we'll all be talking going, if we're here alive at the time, he's evil. You can just see it. And they're going to be going, how can you say that? peace in the Middle East, and everybody's got food, and he's healing diseases, he's doing miracles, and okay, we digress. Verse 5, I'm in Revelation 13 still. The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies, and to exercise authority for how long, class? 42 months, time, times, and half a time, three and a half years, okay? That's the good news in a way. It's good to know, right, how long it's going to be. When you're in the dentist chair and you're in pain, you want to know. Don't you wish you could? How much longer? And if the dentist really said 11 minutes, you'd be like counting to yourself. One, two, right? It's good to know. Three and a half years. If you're suffering, that's a long time, though. 
Um, he opened his mouth, verse 6, to blaspheme God, to slander his name. That's God, Christ, and his dwelling place, heaven. He's going to say, there's no heaven. You people have been waiting for heaven. You think your loved ones died and went to heaven. There's no heaven. There's no God. I'm it. And his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. Going to slander all the believers. Uh, verse 7, he was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. We just read that in Daniel 7, right? Do you remember? Well, how much power does he have, Joe? And he was given authority over, this is still verse 7, every tribe, people, language, and nation. The Apostle John is given this vision in Revelation 13. The whole book's a rev, uh, just about a vision. And he wants you to know that um, this guy has total power over the whole world. Verse 8. All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. The beast is another name for the Antichrist. Who's going to worship him? All the inhabitants of the earth except... The other way to say it is all whose names have not been written in, now we learn about a new book, the book of life belonging to the Lamb. The Lamb's book of life is a separate book from God's books we saw opened in Daniel. In the Lamb's book of life, it's a list of the names of the people who believe in the Lord Jesus. Your name is in there up in heaven now. In cities in the ancient world, there were um, registries of citizenship. And when you move to a place, they would add your name. You're now a citizen of Oakhurst or St. Louis or wherever it is, uh, Rome, it wouldn't be St. Louis. And um, in the same way, our citizenship is in heaven, right? Your name's recorded up there. Everybody else though, this verse says, is going to worship this dude. All whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. You say, what's that? The creation of the world is Genesis 1, 2, and 3, right? Garden of Eden and all that. In Genesis 3, there's an interesting verse, verse 15. We won't go there now because I'd be there half an hour and I got to keep moving. But basically it says that the uh, son of the woman will crush the serpent's head. It's a it's called the Proto-Evangel. It's the first time in the Bible, third chapter of the whole Bible, where a Messiah figure is sort of uh, hinted at. We won't go there now. Okay. He who has an ear, let him hear. Verse 9. See that? That's one of a couple ways in the New Testament that God has in his word of saying, listen up, this is really important. You see it in the book of Revelation. When you read, he that has an ear, let him hear. That's a way of saying, listen up, this is really important. When Jesus was on the earth, his way was saying, do you remember this? Truly, truly, I say to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you. It's a way of saying, listen up, this is very important. Okay. You still awake? You're awake now because I yelled, huh? Okay. This is the bad news for believers. He just mentioned believers. We're not going to believe in this Antichrist guy. We're not going to worship him. Our names are written in heaven. What happens to us? John, verse 10. If anyone is to go into captivity, the Greek has the idea of anybody destined 
to go into captivity, meaning what? Arrested, prison, jail, into captivity, he will go. He's telling you some believers, we're not all going to escape and go, we made it. He didn't catch any of us. He will catch some of us. Remember, he's overcoming the believers, some of them. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, middle of verse 10, with the sword, he will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saints. You say, wait, saints? Listen, I was raised Catholic. And in Catholicism, saints, that's a whole separate category, right? Holiest, just different holiness. In the New Testament, if you do a word study on the word saints, it's a synonym for Christians, believers. It doesn't mean you're perfect, you're sinless, you're, you glow in the dark or anything. It's the term for Christians in the New Testament. Patient endurance of who? Believers. Why? Because we're the ones with the bullseye on our back for this Antichrist dude when he shows up. Um, let's see. Do we want to keep rolling here in Revelation? Um, yeah, I'll try to go a little quicker. Um, okay, so there's another beast. I'm going to skip over a lot of this. Verse 11. Um, Two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. All the authority of the first beast. Um and he made the, the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, verse 12, whose fatal wound had been healed. He reminds you again, remember the resurrection, the fake resurrection? This guy is a second, sort of the, if the devil is playing the role of God the Father, the Antichrist is playing the role of Jesus, this guy is playing the role of the Holy Spirit, encouraging and helping people worship God except they're not going to worship God. They, he, this guy's job is to get everybody to worship the beast, the Antichrist. Okay, look at verse 13. And he performed great and miraculous signs, that means miracles, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men. Okay, imagine a world leader and his assistant can make fire come down out of heaven. The, will the world be fooled? Absolutely, right? This is no magic trick. This is, wow, spiritual stuff. I believe all religions will come together under the authority of this one guy. Not you, not me if we're alive, but they will. Okay, let's keep uh, rolling. We're almost done with the chapter. Um, <laughs> Uh, he deceives the inhabitants of the earth, middle of verse 14. He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. Third time we have the fake resurrection. So set up an image, some kind of a big, huge statue. I don't know if it's a hologram. I don't know if it's a, a three-dimensional thing that comes to life, but watch. Um, he was given power to give breath, verse 15, to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refuse to worship the image to be killed. Don't ask me what this is. I don't know. I just gave you an idea, some sort of an image of the beast, okay, of the Antichrist that looks like him, and he's able to give it breath, meaning it comes to life, right? Now, is this special effects? I don't know what it is, but he's able to cause people that won't worship him, like you and me, to be 
killed. Okay. Um, but we need more control, don't we? Yes. And here it is, verse 16. He also forced everyone. Look how inclusive this list is. When you read everyone, you go, well, not everyone. Look, he, re he also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it is man's number. His number is 666. Now, I'm sure there's going to be 800 questions about this. And what does this mean exactly? I'll tell you this. First of all, this is total control to the point that if you don't take this mark on your hand or your forehead, which pledges allegiance to this Antichrist dude, you can't work. You can't have a bank account. You can't put gas in your car. You can't buy food at the store. You can't buy or sell anything. Well, then there'll be a black market and, and under the table deals will go on. I'm sure they will. But I'm also sure if your neighbor's in with the other side, they'll report you, right? I saw Joe and he had Ken come over with some groceries and Joe traded him some water for some groceries. And we both end up in jail together, Ken. Worst things could happen, right? To have me as a roommate. I don't know what, but I'm sure there's something. Um, total control using a mark on your hand or your forehead. Now, it's 2021 right now, okay? People have been reading this Bible for this revelation for a couple thousand years. And through the centuries, I'm sure people read this and said, there's no way one man could control all commerce, all business on the whole earth, a mark on your hand or your forehead. How? You know how, don't you? Nowadays, right? You can be in China with a visa card and buy something and boop, you bought it right? They know who you are. The problem with a visa card or checks or cash is I could steal your purse or your wallet and take your stuff and pretend I'm you. But I can't steal your hand and I can't steal your forehead. If there was a number system with a little tiny little chip, is that what it's going to be? I don't know. It's a commonly held theory nowadays. If there was a chip under your skin, on your hand or your forehead, okay, you wouldn't need to carry cash. You wouldn't need to fill out those long, stupid um, applications and health history at the doctor office, 11 pages. Have you ever had? No, no, no. Okay, once. No, no. It's all stored in the chip. Your whole medical history. But listen, it gets better. Since there's been an economic collapse and the Antichrist has taken power, we've got a little incentive for you. If you'll take the mark, we'll give you $500,000 in your account. Or you and your family can starve. It's up to you. It's, people will be lining up for this thing, right? Not you. What about taking that mark of the beast could you take the mark just because you want to feed your family and, you know, you don't want to starve, you don't want to die, okay? 
Um, the New Testament, um, Revelation chapter 14, I think it is, verses 9 to 12. <laughs> yeah. Verse 9, Revelation 14, a third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark, notice the connection, on the forehead or the hand, yeah, what's going to happen to those people? Verse 10, he too will drink of the wine of God's wrath or fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath, that he, who's he, whoever takes that mark, will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the lamb. And the smoke of their torment rises up forever. Ever. You want me to put it in simple terms? You, they go to hell, right? Because they said to God, nope, no thanks. We want this guy, right? And we're willing to take the mark of ownership on our hand or on our forehead. Is that how it's all going to work out, Joe? I don't know. But that's a commonly held way that it is seen. Um, okay. Let's keep uh, rolling. What about this six, 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 six thing? In the Bible, seven is the number of God, perfection. Seven days, the creation of the world. Um, six in the Bible is the number of man. So three sixes, six, 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 is sort of a unholy trinity. Six falls one short of seven, okay? People have thought, Oh, I saw a car with a license plate with three sixes on it. Man, I pulled over and got it. That's not what it is, okay? If you get a phone number assigned to you and it has three sixes in it, don't worry, okay? You'll know this is it. Whose name is this? Okay, there's been theories. Because in Judaism, in Hebrew, every number has a letter attached with it. Like if I said to you, A is one, B is two, C is three, you'd, you'd be able to figure out, right? Let me get my name and add it all up. The name of Caesar Nero added up to 666, who was a ruler in the Roman, end, toward the end of the Roman empire, um, in the, toward the end of the first century, okay? I had people tell me in the 1980s that Ronald Wilson Reagan six letters, six letters, six letters, was the Antichrist. When I started teaching this Bible study in the early 90s, I met um, much older people than I was who were around during World War II who told me, and they were Christians then, who said there was a common belief that Hitler was the Antichrist, the swastika was the mark of the beast, and Mussolini was the false prophet. Sounds pretty good. He was killing Jews, trying to take over the world, Wrong, wrong, and wrong, okay? I've heard Barack Obama was the Antichrist. I've heard Donald Trump was the Antichrist. Henry Kissinger, uh, you know, you can go on and on. Um, we don't know who it is, okay? Um, nobody controls the whole world right now, right? But what we're given here is his dossier, his resume, right? So that we can start checking things off. If a guy rises to power in a 10 nation confederacy as the 11th leader and kicks tail on three of them, and then takes the whole thing over and starts solving problems, summoning fire from heaven, then you can start to go, hmm, right? Head for the hills. Amen. Um, let's see. Um, keep your finger in. Uh, well, no, I, I want, actually want you to go to second Thessalonians. Will you go there with me? Now, from Revelation, you're going to take a left and go about 
I'll say 10 books to the left. If you go to Ephesians, Philippians, you went too far. Second Thessalonians is in a section that's all T's. There's two books by uh, two Timothy, then there's Titus. But before that is second Thessalonians right after first Thessalonians, amazingly enough. Second Thessalonians chapter two. Why are you going here, Joe? Because Paul writes about the same subject matter, the Antichrist. Chapter 2, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 1. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, talking about the second coming, and our being gathered to him, that's the rapture. We ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Day of the Lord, tribulation period, end times stuff. Now we get a time marker. Watch this. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, verse 3, for that day will not come until, oh, until what? The rebellion occurs, okay? It's the word apostasia in Greek. It means apostasy. It means falling away from the faith, where you'll see millions of people that used to be Christians go, not for me anymore, kind of dropping out of church. This week, I heard on the radio, listen to this, from 1935 to 1998, the United States averaged 70% of people were regular attendees of church, okay? 1935 to 1998, 70% attendance in church for Americans. Um, in 2018, a new, that's a few years ago, three years ago, it was 50%. My guess is between COVID and people not going to church, now people are coming back to church, but some aren't. I'll bet you it's 35 or 40 now. Is this the falling away? I don't know. Don't ask me. Okay. <laughs> um, that, that day will not occur, verse 3, until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness, who's that? Antichrist. Another name for him is revealed. The man doomed to destruction. What will he do, Paul? Verse 4, he will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be who? God. It's the same. Do you see it's the same subject matter? Don't you remember verse 5? I, when I was with you, I used to tell you these things. Verse six, and now you know what's holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time. What's holding him back is God, the Antichrist. It has to happen at the right time. God's totally in control. How are we doing on time? Not very well. Okay. Um, for the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he's taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed. And Paul can't resist mentioning whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the splendor of his coming. Tell us more about the Antichrist, Paul. Verse 9, the, the coming of the lawless man will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in, look, all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders, and every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. Meaning what? Unbelievers are going to totally be fooled by a guy that can do miracles and take over the whole world. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion that they will believe the lie. And so they will all be condemned who have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. We could go on, but Antichrist, this figure, listen, 
Sounds pretty scary. It freaked Daniel out, right? Listen, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If you're a believer, he's not going to like that. But if he takes you captive, into captivity you go. We just read that in Revelation 13. If they kill you, that's the worst they can do. And where do you go when you die, class, if you're a believer? Absent from the body, present with God, right? In the book of Revelation, there's great honor given to those who die for their faith, martyrs. The word martyr, martis in Greek used to just mean a witness, okay, like in a court of law. It came to mean somebody that witnessed for Christ and believed so much they were willing to die for their faith. Anyway, now that I've freaked you all out, let's go back to Daniel in the remaining time. No, we don't have much time left, do we? Let's see where we left off. Verse 26. Are you still awake? Say amen. amen. Verse 26. I'm back to Daniel 7. But the court will sit and his power, that's the Antichrist, will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. Then, verse 27, the sovereignty power and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to who i'm expecting the son of god the son of man jesus the messiah who will the power and the greatness of all the kingdoms be handed over to the holy people of the most high god translation believers you that's pretty awesome right i say in this bible study often that if your life is like mine, it ebbs and flows. There's happy days, there's everything's going great, and then there's, oh no, what a bummer, and then there's this, and then there's a sickness, and then there's a conflict with somebody, and then there's a money crisis or whatever it may be, right? So in the different points of your life, it's like a baseball game where sometimes you're behind eight to two, your team is losing. You feel like, oh. and then there's times where it's 10 to four and you're ahead. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, the takeaway from today is this. No matter what the score looks like of your life right now, if you're a believer, the end, you're going to win 800 to 12, okay? The ball game of life, because it's going to be glorious for you, because you believe, because you're God's own. I, we have to close here. We didn't get very far, but we reviewed what we did during the blackout that occurred last week through no fault of my own. Just kidding. Anyway, we're going to pray right now. Um, if you don't get the notes emailed to you, send me an email and say, I want the notes. And that will also have the link to this Bible study where you can watch the video. Again, if you can stand listening to me again, or give it, send it to somebody that you want to. Let's pray and then we'll get out of here, shall we? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this time we could spend in your word and for your spirit who shows up and makes it possible for this to occur, God. We notice kingdoms, empires, they come and they go. And they, a new one shows up and a new one takes its place after that. And yet your kingdom will be eternal and we'll have a part in it. It's so awesome, God. We can't wait, Father. In the meantime, help us to be ready by uh, obeying you, by reading your word, by loving you and loving the people around us, by being the people you want us to be. Change us and make us more what you want, God. Help us to have uh, a good eye on what's going on in this world 
and to do all the good that we can, but also help us to have one eye looking for that blessed hope, the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in Him, his name we pray all these things. Thank you that you're in control, God. We love you, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all for being here. Thanks to those of you on Zoom, and we'll see you uh, next Tuesday, hopefully. I'm going to turn my screen off here. I'm not going to come back on to Zoom because I've got um, people here. Anyway, God bless you. Thanks for being here.